Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. It's good also to be with those of you who are watching this morning in the Fellowship Hall. May God's grace and peace be with each and every one of you. Well, as I begin together today, I would like to ask a question of you. When you were back in elementary school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Who did you want to be when you grew up? Think back. Maybe it was one of those common answers, I wanted to be a fireman, or I wanted to be a policeman, or a ballet dancer, or any of those many different types of careers. I know what it was for me. I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah, a pretty common one for young boys my age, but I loved everything about space and science and astronomy. I found great fascination in those things. As I grew up past those days into middle school and into high school, it shifted a little bit. Instead, I thought I wanted to be an astrophysicist. That's how much I was diving into the fascinating realms of cosmology and, and astronomy and, and stars and planets and all of those things. Great fascination until I discovered that I really didn't like math that much. Bit of a hindrance in becoming an astronomer or an astronaut or an astrophysicist, and hence here I am as a pastor. I, I think God knew what he was doing. I'm not sure what that was for you, but we bear those things in mind because each of us have some aspirations. We have things that we believe we are called to grow up into from those young days. And I want you to hold on to that question and perhaps your answer in your mind as we continue on our journey together today. We are passing the halfway mark of the summertime. Yes, it's gone by quickly. But it means we are also passing the halfway mark of our current summer sermon series in the book of Hebrews entitled Connecting the Dots of Faith. And it is my hope that you have been following along and keeping up with your readings in Hebrews as we move through it chapter by chapter. But if you haven't, let me encourage you or even exhort you to get caught up, spend some time, go back into God's word, peel open the pages, look at the book of Hebrews, maybe read it more than once. There's a lot of heady things in the book of Hebrews, things that take some time and some concentration and some focus. It's okay to slow down and go back and reread it a few times or hone in on a few particular portions of what's happening there. But I think it's important that we be on this journey together over the course of this summer, even as you're coming and going and enjoying time with family and friends and up at the lake place. Believe me, I, I don't hold that against you at all for those days that you're needing to go and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. Just come back together with us. Take your Bible with you out in the boat or up by the shore and continue to read together because I believe that there are things very important for us to be studying in the book of Hebrews. Because here's the thing. The message of Hebrews was written to a church that is very similar to many churches today, written to believers and Christians who are very similar to believers and followers of Jesus today, including those of us here at Community of Grace. By way of a little bit of review, just a reminder that this was probably a sermon that was converted into a letter to then be sent out to many different churches during that time, likely written in the latter first century, and likely written to the church in Rome. Now, all of these things are speculative. We don't know exactly who it was that wrote the book of Hebrews. That has been lost to history and time. 
There isn't a reference there specifically to a congregation in Rome, but there are many things that are being addressed that are similar to the kinds of things that we do know historically were challenging in Rome to Christians there, and particularly to Jewish Christians. Now remember, in the early days of the church, Jews and Christians worshipped right alongside one another. They were studying the Old Testament together. They still considered themselves a part of one another. That grew apart as time went on. But in this season, there were definitely heavy concentrations of converts who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. And there was a high percentage and high population of these in the area around Rome. So it's likely that this sermon that became a letter was preached in that area. And something that was expressly being experienced by many Christians in that time is that they were starting to become confused or maybe even a little disillusioned about Jesus. Their their faith was being challenged. They were starting to wonder whether or not Jesus was truly going to return or or whether or not he was everything that he said he was. And so there was a, a... starting to slide back into some of the practices of Judaism, finding ways to perhaps encounter God again in the law rather than in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the author of Hebrews is making a case, a strong case, from the very beginning of the book that Jesus is far superior to any other prophet, He is far superior to the angels. He is far superior to Moses. He is far superior to any earthly priest or priesthood. He is the only begotten son of God, the perfect revelation of God. There at the creation of the world, seated at the right hand of the Father in full majesty and glory, we're talking about Jesus the Christ. And this author of Hebrews sets the tone right away and continues to build chapter by chapter, point by point. This preacher to the Hebrews is trying to help his listeners connect the dots of faith in Jesus Christ for a clear picture of who God really is. He is encouraging them. He's enlightening them. He's reminding them. And from time to time, he is warning them. And that brings us to our text for today from Hebrews chapter 5. You've already heard it read once, but I would encourage you to open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Hebrews chapter 5. And as you are turning there and preparing, let me set the stage here. This particular passage of Scripture is centered right in the middle of an important piece of, of encouragement and of information that the author of Hebrews is trying to get through. As a matter of fact, it's the area of our focus last week. If you were here last week, you know that we talked about this interesting phrase that keeps showing up again and again in Hebrews, a description of Jesus as the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And last week, as we talked a bit about that, we had some unpacking to do because it's not self-evident what that means. Even to those who perhaps have read the scriptures multiple times, when you hear this high priest in the order of Melchizedek, it can be quickly one of those, huh, what are we talking about here? And that's why we took some time last week to explain, to unpack, to dig deeper. But right in the middle of that comes this passage, this passage from the author and preacher of Hebrews, who's trying to get through some important points. 
And this is what he has to say. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let's pause right there. These four verses have an obvious edge to them, don't they? You hear in the voice of the author and what would be in the voice of the preacher, maybe preaching and sounding a bit like Pastor Darren today, you can hear the edge in their voice. There's some frustration being expressed here. A frustration with the people who he is addressing. A challenge that he is giving them. There's an edge to this. And here's the thing. Sometimes we need a sharp edge to cut through the dullness of our understanding. What does that mean? (laughs) We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Those, Those words, no longer trying to understand, are better translated like this. You are dull of hearing or dull of listening. Let that thing sink in for a second. Now, don't hear what it doesn't say. The preacher here and writer of Hebrews is not trying to tell them that they're ignorant or stupid. Not at all. He's also not trying to say that they have some type of a physical hearing impairment. No. What he's trying to get across is that those who are listening and have been listening are immature and are unwilling to learn. They may be hearing, but they're not listening. This summer, I've had the privilege and continue to have the privilege of doing four weddings within the span of just a few weeks, more than I've done in a long time. But in anticipation of each of those weddings, I do pre-marriage counseling, something that I really enjoy doing, by the way, And over the years, in my encounters with couples, there's one exercise that I always insist couples learn. It's called active listening. Perhaps some of you are familiar with the term active listening. It's more than just hearing what somebody is saying. It's listening to understand what someone is saying. It goes something like this. I'll have the couple turn to one another And if there's a particular issue or a thing that has emerged in the course of our conversations together, I'll say, here's what I want you to do. I want one of you to speak to the other person clearly about what you are thinking and feeling using I statements. I am feeling this way. Not you are making me feel this way, but I am feeling this way. And after you have expressed that, the other person needs to repeat back to you what you said. And if they repeat back to you what you said in a way that is other than what you meant or were trying to say, it's your responsibility to say, no, that's not what I said. 
let me repeat myself, and you don't continue on with the conversation until the other person is able to repeat back to you what you said in such a way that you agree that you have been heard. It's an important exercise. It's one that I still have to apply coming up on 30 years of marriage. You get it, right? Sometimes when someone is speaking to you, especially when it's something that maybe you don't necessarily want to hear or maybe a little challenging to you, it's necessary to slow down your thinking and not immediately be thinking about what you want to respond or be letting your mind drift off into wherever else it is that things that might be attracting your attention, but instead to focus in enough to be able to reply that you have understood by repeating back what it is that you have heard. This is active listening. And I believe that that's part of what is being expressed here because this is a skill that you need to learn over time. And mature people in mature relationships and mature communicators learn how to do this with one another effectively so that the one who is speaking can trust that they're actually being heard and the one who is listening can express their desire to want to know and understand what the other person is saying. I want to make it clear to you because you no longer are trying to understand. These are hard words. But we have some growing up to do when it comes to listening and learning as followers of Jesus. And every one of us has room to grow. But sometimes I confess that I run into those places of thinking more about what I'm going to say than listening to the person who is speaking to me. And as a result, we don't grow up. And the preacher goes on to say, you ought to be teachers by now, but instead, you're having to go all the way back to elementary school to learn the basics of the faith. You're like infants living on milk when you should be grown-ups eating solid food. Many of us in this room have been followers of Jesus our entire lives. And there are times where we are challenged to speak the truth about who Jesus is to us, and yet we still feel incompetent to do that. Or we still feel like it's somebody else's job to share the truth of who Jesus is. There's an exhortation from the author of Hebrews here that comes through to you via me that says it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to, to put aside the petty things or the small things or the things that distract us and hone in on the good news of Jesus, what he has done for you so that that can be expressed through you. Now, it doesn't mean that every single person becomes someone who leads a, a long Bible study class. That's not what is being implied here. It's just being capable of sharing something of what God has done in you for the sake of a neighbor, for the sake of somebody else. It might be somebody within the community, right here in Community of Grace. It might be a friend or a neighbor. It might be somebody who's going through some place that you can speak to from your journey with Jesus. But we have to learn it first, and we have to trust that what we have learned is good. 
You know, I had the joy of being a part of VBS just a few weeks ago. And within that joy, I had a particular role to play. I got to teach every day for about an hour to a variety of different age group children as a rabbi. Here's the thing. I'm not a rabbi. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I'm a teacher of the Christian faith, but I'm not a rabbi. And my task as a rabbi with these children was to not only represent a rabbi to them, but also to teach them some things, like how to write in Hebrew. I learned long ago some things about writing and reading in Hebrew. I've never had to teach anybody it. And you know what it's like to teach somebody? Here's the thing. The biggest challenge of teaching children is that they ask questions. And sometimes they ask hard questions and questions that you don't have easy answers to. I had to prepare myself to teach five-year-olds up to about 10-year-olds Hebrew. I had to go back and be reminded of, trans or of pronunciation, of Hebrew letters. I, I had to be, be prepared to, to show them how to, how to correctly hold their pens. And in some cases, with the littlest of children, I simply said, you know what, draw me a picture of Jesus. <laughs> it was a challenge. Should it have been a challenge? Should it be that hard for me to teach little children something about Jesus? Well, it was for this pastor... But it reminded me of the fact that you really get to know how much you understand something when you have to teach it to someone else. Once you've learned the alphabet, you need to practice reading. I'm trusting that everybody here has learned their alphabet. I bet if I asked you right now to sing through the ABCs, there's not a person in this room who would have any problem reciting the ABCs that you learned in that song as an elementary school student. But if you've gone no further than reciting the ABCs, you haven't grown. You haven't matured. You must go from that place of being able to sing the alphabet song to reading, and then you need to progress towards more challenging books. You need to become a critical thinker, not just a consumer of random information or a repeater of disinformation. This is called discernment, and it is sadly lacking in the lives of many who call themselves Christians. The ability to read Scripture with a curious mind, what does this mean? I'm not sure about this. How do I dig further? Or there's something about this passage that, that just doesn't sit right with me. Lord, are you trying to tell me something? And then being willing to sit under the teaching of someone else or going to a brother and sister in Christ and saying, you know what, I've been reading this portion of Scripture and I'm still struggling to figure out what it means. What do you hear in it? See, that's being both a teacher and a learner when you learn together with others. This is all a part of what it means to grow up as a follower of Jesus and to move forward. And that's where it picks up 
in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It's interesting how this author starts by saying, we need to be moving past these things, but then wisely puts together a list of the things that you probably already should know. You see, he's not dismissing the fact that the elementary teachings are good. And please don't get that impression from anything I'm saying. It can also be incredibly off-putting to be amongst those who go, oh, you know what, I don't need to go back to those basic things. That really doesn't matter. I've moved on to much higher things in my understanding of Jesus. Really? That's not real helpful either. The fact is, you still need to be reminded of the basics. Because just like you can't stay an infant by only repeating your ABCs, you can also remain immature by forgetting them. In high school and in college, I took two different foreign languages. First, I took Spanish for three years in high school. Then I went on and took Norwegian for two semesters at the University of Minnesota. I now can speak neither of them. And occasionally, when I am trying to, I'll wind up picking a word from the other language and trying to insert it into the language that I'm supposed to be speaking. I don't know that I could recite the entire alphabet in Norwegian or in Spanish anymore. It was there for a bit. I learned it in those classrooms. But I never went on to continue to practice. I never went forward to put into practice those things that I had learned. I didn't immerse myself into a place where, where it was being repeated around me and it could start to, to bury its way into my long-term memory. And as a result, I no longer consider myself in the least bit fluent in either one of these languages. Now, if you put the words in front of me, could I pronounce them? Sure. Would I know what they mean? Probably not. We can't forget the basics. We can't skip over them. We need to still be reminded of them. And this is a good list of the things to be reminded of. We still need to be reminded about what it means to turn from a life of unbelief to a life of faith. That journey of faith, that gift of faith, that faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Back to that listening place again, yes? And then being born again in baptism and sustained by the Lord's Supper. Recognizing the gifts that have been given to us and the work that, that God has done in us and through us. The gift of praying for others, laying on of hands that they might be healed or set free or filled with the Holy Spirit. And then trusting in the promises of God for an eternal life beyond this world and for a time when Jesus will return and set all things right. These are foundational. These are absolutely necessary to our faith. But from this foundation, we must be carried forward into maturity by the Holy Spirit so Jesus can build something in us and through us. 
That language of, of, of moving beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and then being taken forward to maturity, it's not all about your effort. As a matter of fact, the language there is, is the same kind of language of a sail being filled with air, the wind catching that sail and pulling the ship forward. When we open up our sails to the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us forward into maturity, we're continuing that journey of faithfulness and of growth. We are called to grow as followers of Jesus and not to get stuck as infants. And as it says in Ephesians 4, 13 through 15, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking of the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So who are you teaching today? And what are you learning? How are you positioning yourself to grow in new and challenging ways? What do you want to be when you grow up. This past May, I joined a new book club. It's a group of men outside of this church. There are four of us. Three of the four are PhDs. You can guess who the one that is not is, that'd be. Two of them are of different ethnic backgrounds. And one of the group is an agnostic. And together we are reading some books. And we are learning and challenging one another. It's a safe space for us to ask hard questions and to be asked hard questions. Nobody in the room is trying to convert anybody to anything. We simply want to be learners together. It's been challenging to me. Some of the books that we're reading and the topics are not things that I agree with 100%. That's okay. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Because if our faith is so immature that it can't hold up to scrutiny or be willing to humbly admit when you don't know something, well, then we certainly need to grow up. There's a challenge to continue to grow. But let me finish with this reminder. While we all must continue to grow up into mature followers of Jesus, we never outgrow our need for grace. In fact, the most mature followers of Jesus I have ever known are the people who are the most aware of their absolute dependence on God's grace. That's who I want to be when I grow up. I want to grow more and more into a person of mature grace and childlike faith. 
Because as Jesus calls us forward, the more we grow, the more we know, the more we understand how much more we have to grow and how little we truly know. It's in those places of dependence upon Jesus, faith in who he is and what he knows, far more than faith in who I am or what I know. It's in those places of dependence that grace flows. It's in those places of seeing one another as part of God's creation. When we can honor and respect one another while at the same time hold true to the faith that has been passed down to us by those who have faithfully gone forward into their eternal reward before us. Let's grow up into that kind of faith. Let's grow up into those kind of people. A people of grace marked by Jesus and called by the Holy Spirit to move forward into the deeper things of God. Let's pray that today. Heavenly Father, you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, sometimes it feels like the light switch has come on and we have left behind everything of darkness and moved purely and fully into your light. And other times, Lord, it seems like that light is just a speck on the horizon that calls us forward and we still feel like we are groping around in the darkness trying to find our way. Father, wherever you find us today, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Call us into new life. Call us into wonder and curiosity. Help us, Lord, to not forget the elementary things of the faith, but to move beyond them into the richness and fullness of following you, Jesus, into the journey that you lead us on, into the people that we will encounter, into a world that desperately needs to know the truth of who you are, Jesus, and come to the faith that we have found and the faith that has found us, that we may be found in you, holy, made righteous by your good works, and ready to share that good work with the world around us. Thank you for this day and this gathering. We pray all of these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.